Hang on. Hang on. Halt. Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time, They Might Be Giants. I'm your host, Greg Simpson, and I'm here with first-time guest Olivia Filo to talk about the song Science is Real off of, of course, Here Comes Science. Science is real from the Big Bang to Hey. 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 How you doing? I'm good. I'm pumped. I'm, yeah. I've been looking forward to this for a while. So, yeah, I'm really excited. This is a big this is a big deal for me. This is my first podcast appearance. I'm a big podcast listener. Ah, so, yeah. A mm-hmm. newbie, first timer. All right. Don't worry. Uh it's gone th- it's been fir- a lot of guests it's their first time on a podcast. Everyone always talk about being so nervous, but it always goes great. I mean, we're talking about they might be giants, so what could possibly go wrong? (laughs) (laughs) I'm known to digress, so. That's what the show's all about. All right. Yeah. Well, you know, I know the show. (laughs) (laughs) So I I first came across you in Miscellaneous Tea Facebook Mm -hmm. group um, because of an interesting post that you had put up. Do you remember what this was about? Went to tell the people. You want me to tell it? Okay, so um, I made a post about, I was like, I mean, it's like there, there's multiple things converging, but the gist of the post was, um, it was a post about my maternal grandmother, Mary Sherman Morgan, the inventor of Hydine, a uh, rocket fuel that put the first American satellite into orbit. <laughs> yeah. uh, which is cool, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. And the reason the reason that I brought her up is because this design on the T-shirt just like reminded me so much of her story. It's kind of like a mid-century style design of like this mm-hmm. lady chemist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the color scheme is even like I have the book here. The color scheme is even like the same color scheme as the cover for her biography, and it just like it's it was such a cool little coincidence with that Rocket girl yeah that's the book um and i was getting my vaccine was the thing mm-hmm. um 
because everybody was posting their science is real vaccine photos. So I just got my first vaccine shot and I posted about that. And I was just like, I was feeling so good after that vaccine. I mean, I, I felt like, hey, I like beat this pandemic. I made it through, didn't get COVID, made it to the vaccine. <laughs> and then, you know, and then Delta comes out within a couple months and, you know, things are feeling a little bit different. But um, it was a really happy moment for me. And it was like, you know, I don't post on social media that much anymore mm-hmm. i feel <laughs> i mean do you want to diver- do you want a digression because we can talk about <laughs> sure <laughs> social media toxicity for a second yeah i just like i had a couple experiences where uh, i sort of realized that you know not only was i getting this really superficial version of everybody but like everybody was getting this really superficial version of me too and even if i was like trying to keep it real as much as i could I realize, like, oh, people are misunderstanding me. People are t- taking things out of context and jumping to conclusions. And like, this is this is like bad for my IRL relationships. You know what yeah, I mean? So yeah. like, the personal stuff, I just kind of quit posting. But I really like that Facebook group, Miscellaneous Tea, because it's like it's always a safe space. Like nobody's really going to give you too much shit about anything there. Definitely. And it was like, it was a time when I needed connection. I was I was at a really bad spot my boyfriend and i had just moved back to Asheville, north carolina talk about Asheville later on that could be another great digression they do have a song about it um the orange peel yeah uh and uh so we just we had lived in Asheville before we lived in charlotte north carolina for a couple years we were just moving back and as we you know, right before we were about to move into this house that we bought, my boyfriend was diagnosed with epilepsy. Mm. Uh, you know, at age 31, which is not unheard of, but, you know, kind mm. of uncommon. Most people are diagnosed younger. And um, then this house that we just bought was, like, totally unsuitable for an epileptic person. There's, like, open water everywhere. It's, like, 30 miles from an emergency room. Like, mm. And so we realized we had to give up this house that we just bought, and we had just gotten back to town. And we were, it was, you know, it was tough. Um, yeah. Like, a lot of upheaval. And so, like, yeah, it was nice to have a fan group to just sort of, like, express a little thing, express a little happiness, tell a little story about an ancestor and uh yeah and it got a good response and then you uh yeah you messaged me yep. about this podcast and so yep. you usually you let people pick their own song but you asked me to talk about this song specifically oh sorry do, do you want to switch it up talk about something else no but maybe, <laughs> hey future episode who knows oh for sure yeah okay yeah we'll see how you do on this one no i've <laughs> <laughs> no i've already got uh you know you did a lot of prep on this one and you even sent me some sound clips that uh-huh. we will talk about later so yeah. uh, i can tell you know for your first time coming in on a podcast you uh y- you're you're coming correct uh, that that is say. how i like to do things i like i my thing is taking it way too far <laughs> like overachieving yes like that that's how i do it and if it's something that i'm enthusiastic about like they might be giants it's easy so Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think we need to take it back, though, and hear the history of your fandom with They Might Be Giants. How did you get into them in the first place? All right. So I think I was probably around age, somewhere between 10 and 12. And um, I had a really close friend back in middle school, early high school. And 
we were kind of getting into music together. Um, and we both had older siblings who were really tuned into the like early nineties alternative scene. And so we're picking through all of their old CDs, you know, and I'm, getting into like Nirvana, huge influence, obviously, Mm -hmm. uh, the breeders, L seven belly, the meat puppets, bands like this. Uh, yeah. yeah. And so one of, uh, her older sister had like flood and factory showroom and we got, we both got really into, they might be giants through, um, those albums initially. And then my mom, um, picked me up some they might be giant cds at a garage sale she would always kind of like take note of like what bands i was interested in and like keep an eye out which is nice yeah Yeah. and she gave me um she got me miscellaneous tea lincoln and john henry Hmm. and i listened to them in the order miscellaneous T John Henry and then Lincoln. I think I didn't listen to Lincoln until the end, which was weird. So that was like a weird order in which like go like getting into miscellaneous T yeah. and just like starting with that. Like, That's just like, like trial by fire there. It's like, here's the weirdest shit. Yes. But I like, I was so into it. Like I, I they, you know, um, there were a lot of things about them that were really influential. And that same friend of mine, she and I had a band together for, you know, several years and I'll plug my socials later. We have, I have some of our songs up on my SoundCloud mm-hmm. that you can listen to. And if you do, you'll probably notice there's a lot of Giants influence. It's like synth pop basically. Cool. And, um, one of the biggest things was that I think they might be Giants really empowered us to stay a duo People gave us a lot of shit for not having a drummer and just using like the (laughs) pre-programmed drums on my synth. But yeah, yeah, like to have a band like they might be giants, I was willing to just do all, you know, throw out the traditional rules of rock and roll. And that was another thing that was really appealing to me, too, was like the like I, I feel like by the time I was getting into them, I was already like cluing into the fact that like not trying to be cool is cooler and they have that whole you know like they have like the nerd there's like a square aspect to them in a way you know what i mean and they're (laughs) like they manage to balance and to me like the fact that i mean i always think of them as when i'm trying to explain them to people i often use words like experimental and art rock because i think that's like Mm -hmm. an aspect that kind of gets lost in the like goofy perception that people sort of have and so that's that was really inspirational to me that you can do something different but it doesn't have to be a gimmick it can be part of just this experimental perspective which you know is really liberating Mm -hmm. Um, and i I will say to the uh yeah the duo elements because me and my wife our, our band outdoor velour was a duo for six and a half years and it is it is so much easier to book shows and just like the flexibility so much easier to travel uh mm. so much less gear without a drummer i mean for for us i mean the drums it was it was me drumming but it was on an ipod uh, <laughs> back in the ipod days but nice. yeah um people we'd have people come up to us like Oh, you guys need a drummer? I could drum for you. You're like, no, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> I see. Yeah, exactly. You mm-hmm. got that too. Yeah. And of course, uh, you know, like where we were coming from is like 
a rural farm town in Oregon. So as far as our peers went, like, nobody got it. But I have to say, like, I got to give it up for the Salem, Oregon music scene because, like, we really found a place there. At the time, there was a lot of, like, weirdo synth pop happening, Mm. and we, like, managed to, like, kind of fit right into that. So, you know, shout shout out to Julian Snow and uh, Peter DeGroot and and those guys in Salem that, uh, yeah, really fostered you know, the creativity of this, like, weirdo experimental synth kind of scene that was happening, cutting through the more, like, adolescent punk rock that, you know, you always get. Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. Are you, uh, are you still, are you currently in a band? No. Nope. (laughs) That was kind of part of one of my goals when I moved to Asheville was, like, I'm going to join a band when I go to Asheville. Yeah. But, uh, it just, you know, I've been working, I've been busy. I, um... I was in a really short-lived punk band after college briefly. That was super fun. Um, but I haven't done much with music since, actually, which is disappointing. I've been, like, writing some stuff on my own. I've been actually getting mm-hmm. really into, like, rap and hip-hop. There was, like, a three-year period where that was all I was listening to. And, like, oh, yeah. you know, consequently, that was, like, yeah. all I wanted to write. You know, sort of like a input-output sort of relationship there. So, you know, I've got songs... Uh, you know, none of them were like that good. I, you know, I, it's a, it's a pretty, it's a hobby that I can't invest a lot in right now, but mm. yeah, I mean, like music is a big part of my life. I actually just came back from a trip to Oregon visiting my family and my mom is retired now. And so she's just like playing music all the time. She's teaching herself how to do like Hawaiian style slack key guitar and going to open mics and stuff like this yeah so we got i actually you know i got to play a lot of music and play with her a lot while i was home so that was fun that's Um, cool nice to find some time for that you got a cool mom (laughs) and she's a retired computer assisted designer (laughs) another here comes science track yeah hell yeah Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I love that. How your mom was paying attention to the bands you liked. and buying <laughs> that is just so cute. Yeah. Well, she, you know, it, it was important for her, for me to have good taste. And so, <laughs> you know, she really wanted to foster me exploring things. And she, she's, she's a big musician and a big music fan. My dad was also a musician and a big music fan. You know, like that's, it all came very very, very naturally, um, those common interests. And, um, I mean, you probably noticed in the clips that we'll get to, it's like almost all Beatles examples. And that's because uh-huh. like the Beatles are like, for like for many people, they were the music of my childhood. The first music oh, yeah. I ever Same. listened to, you know, mm-hmm. right. Cause boomer parents, they're like, Oh, you need to, <laughs> <laughs> this is what music is. And it's kind of funny because because of that, I hadn't really like evaluated a lot of Beatles songs with like an adult critical ear. And so as I was putting these clips together, (laughs) I was like having all this newfound appreciation, like, Oh wow. The Beatles are good. (laughs) (laughs) They are, you know, it's not just, you know, they're, they were on the the boomers were onto something there. You know, they got, they got something right. (laughs) So science is real. Yeah. I've actually got the, um, the giants, uh, the mask, the science is real mask. Oh, cool! And when I wear that at school, I teach in a very rural county in in Indiana, and um, 
And my kids all know I like They Might Be Giants, and to them it's like my They Might Be Giants mask. But when I wear it to, like, the local gas station or whatever, it's almost seen as, like, it's like, it's like so, why is that, like, make, taking some liberal stance to say that science is real? It's this, it's a three-word phrase that is, like, so, contains so much volatility these days, which is just bizarre. Yeah, I mean, it reminds me, um, I was listening to another They Might Be Giants podcast, <laughs> Nine Secret Eps. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at they, one of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I listened to your episode, but I, I also listened to, I think their most recent episode, I forget who said it, but somebody else was basically making that point that even by, you know, mentioning evolution in the lyrics to the song, it's like, uh, like, in today's political climate, unfortunately, that is like bold. You know what I mean? Like that's a stance. And uh, yeah, I agree. I think it's really unfortunate. Um, but it makes sense if you think. I, I mean, if you if you reject science, that's the only way to explain some of these people's stances. So. And apparently, yeah, even back in the day, even like like to me, it seems like a bolder stance now. Just like people not trusting scientists enough to take the vaccine. Um, but even back in, in 2009, there was an examiner article that showed how um, in, on Amazon, apparently there were, I guess, you know, people reviewing the album or whatever people commenting on Amazon uh, that they didn't like that. There was this affirmation to children that angels are fictional. Yeah, and that they lump them in with unicorns and elves because unicorns and elves, obviously, that's stuff of fantasy stories. But angels, oh yeah, angels, those are real. Yeah, and you know what's funny about that in particular is that um, so while I was visiting with my mom, I talked to her about this podcast. I told her I was going to be on and asked her to like discuss the song with me, basically to help me come up with some ideas. And she is a former born again Christian raised Catholic, became born again, Christian, became an atheist. And (laughs) (laughs) quite a journey. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, she pointed out that, uh, there's not a lot of mention of angels in the Bible. It's not even necessarily a necessary, like a Judeo Christian thing per se, but, Mm. um, gets, gets sort of lumped in with that perspective and call it a perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Is that something more of a, yeah, where did that all come from? I mean, I can't even say that I'm familiar enough with the Bible to even really know. I mean, we've all seen that. the memes about like biblical angels, right? And how right. the Bible's descri- or the angels described in the Bible have like seven eyes or something, like four <laughs> sets of wings, or like these monstrous things. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll continue with your point. I mean, we're talking about um, the political, the socio-political relevance of the stance of science being real. So, what what year did this album come out? Uh, 2009. Okay. Yeah. All right. I was in college. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let's see. There's also a, uh, let's see, a quote from 2009 with John Linnell with, uh, in the Nature Journal. I don't know what the Nature Journal is, but it sounds nice. Uh, that's, that's a very <laughs> prestigious scientific journal. That's a scholarly. It? It's a, yeah, it? it's a scholarly journal. Yeah, it's a very yeah. 
Oh, okay. All right. Well, let me. So Linnell says John Flansburg took the bull by the horns by writing that song and addressing this situation, which is that religion cannot take the place of science. It's not something you can tiptoe around. It's important that everybody gets what the discussion is about. If we're talking about the history of Earth, we can't rely on religious tradition to tell us all the information. He says it in the song. As beautiful as the stories are, they don't tell us everything we need to know. It's an old complaint on the part of scientists, but it bears repeating. <laughs> yeah. They, you know, they don't they don't split hairs. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, and it is like it's it's bold and like you said, it's taking the bull by the horns and you know, I even hesitate to comment on it for like fear of offending any of your listeners, like honestly, you know, yeah. but um <laughs> I wouldn't worry about it. Um Yeah, I mean sure. Re- religion has its place. <laughs> I'll, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm big on religious tolerance. I don't want to give anybody too much sure. to what they believe, but it, yeah, I mean, you know, it, uh, it, it's not, it's not consistent with uh, a worldview that um, relies upon observable evidence to draw conclusions, which is, mm-hmm. you know, how I like to do. Yeah. Yeah. How I like to do things. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you know, if it makes people feel better about themselves and get through. You know, tough times, that's, you know, that's one thing. But if it's keeping you from keeping yourself safe, your children safe, your community safe by not getting vaccinated, <laughs> that's not cool. Do you want to have a Jerry Falwell digression? Go for it. So I went to college in the same city as Jerry Falwell's church and <laughs> college, Liberty University. Mm. kind of an ironic name um (laughs) and uh yeah so like all this i mean have you been following any of this jerry falwell cuckold scandal with the pool boy (laughs) no what (laughs) again i avoid a lot of social media too except when it comes to promoting the podcast can you catch me up quickly i cannot believe that this wasn't like the biggest news story in america because it's really consequential because it determined the 2016 election or at least that's my thesis Mm. um so you know long story short jerry falwell jr who's jerry falwell the uh evangelical televangelist who you know, famously said that America deserved 9-11 because we accepted gay people too much and mm-hmm. referred to um, the students at my college, which was a women's college at the time, as the whores on the hill. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus so this is his son, you know, Big Jerry dies really unexpectedly in 2011 and Jerry Jr. takes over and um, I find it really fascinating that like he's sort of thrust into this public role and then he like he and his wife like get hot. They both like lose a bunch of weight and like start dressing better and yeah. stuff and like <laughs> totally remake their image. It's weird anyway. They end up starting an affair, this like three-way sexual affair with this uh, <laughs> this pool. I mean, this you know, I don't want to characterize him as a pool boy because he's like twenty-eight now or whatever. Pool <laughs> attendant. At, yes, at the time he was working at a pool attendant, and his you know Jerry's wife Becky comes on to him, and you know, hey, meet me in my room. Oh, but my husband's gonna watch us. Hope that's cool. And they carry on this <laughs> thruple for like years and years, and Whoa. the pool boy 
Giancarlo Granda actually meets Donald Trump while he's with the Falwells at one point. Because he they're he, they're like having him up to their place in Virginia. He's rubbing elbows with like all these people that the Falwells know and shit. You know, meanwhile, the Falwells are supposed to be helping him like get on his feet and like start a business of his own and like, oh, this isn't just a sex thing. We're like interested in you as a person. We want to invest in you, but like, mm-hmm. you know, these promises never really materialize. He, you know, he's very young when this all starts happening. And as he gets older, he realizes this whole situation is really fucked up. And like Trump's fixer got involved at one point trying to kill the story, but he Mm -hmm. comes forward anyway. But before he came forward, I believe that this information was used to blackmail Jerry Falwell into endorsing Donald Trump for president because we know that. Trump's people knew about this indiscretion mm-hmm. because we know that they participated in a cover up. And we know that Ted Cruz was the original <laughs> favorite for the evangelical voters. And he actually announced right. his candidacy at Liberty University. Oh, and Falwell. Yes. And then Falwell the whole time is like, oh, I can't endorse anybody because I'm the president of a university that out of nowhere endorses Trump. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's my that's my thesis is that um, Jerry Falwell Jr.'s cuckolding fetish determined the 2016 (laughs) election. And, you know, I just like to, to quote a friend of mine from Lynchburg. We don't kink shame Jerry. We hypocrisy shame Jerry. You know, I I don't care what the guy does, but the, the, the behavioral standards that Liberty university students who are all legal adults are required to follow is, I mean, really insane and toxic. Hmm. I can only imagine. Oh, Oh, and he's, uh, you know, of course, holding classes on campus in person, encouraging people not to wear masks. And so, you know, the whole town is being flooded by these students from all over. So, yeah, it can be really dangerous for the community when people deny science. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, Another another thing I love, the way that they they kind of, the Giants kind of lean into the science versus religion thing by coming up with this uh artwork uh for science is real that's a play on the lovin brothers album satan is real and you've seen you've seen this comparison right no this is news to me what do i got what do i have to google uh just head to the the wiki and then look up science is real it's got uh the comparison there so Yes. I can't believe I didn't check out the wiki in preparation for this episode. That's that's number one spot. That's I know. I spent too much time making comparison audio clips. (laughs) Rereading my grandma's biography. Mm -hmm. Um which I did not finish on the second read, by the way. Mm. I've had a I've had a big problem finishing books ever since college, to be honest. Okay, so um where am I looking for? Oh, I see it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The Lovin' Brothers in this weird stance with their arms out. They're standing on rocks and there's flames behind them. And there's this weird devil statue behind them. Very weird looking depiction of Satan with all, you know, with the uh-huh. horns and the trident and all this. And then the, the little cartoon the giants. Scene. 
Yeah, and then the the Giants, uh, you got the the science version of the Giants. And they're, like, in the um, same stance. Yeah, they're in the same stance with their little arms <laughs> out. And instead of Satan in the back, you got a uh, volcano spewing lava. And so what do you make of that reference? I mean, what what were the Lovin' Brothers? Who are the Lovin' Brothers? They're like, are, who, who are they? What? Tell me, about, do you know anything about this album? I don't. Satan is real. Yeah, I don't, I don't know the Lovin Brothers. I'm just wondering if we can make any inferences about. Yeah, so they did country and gospel. So yeah, it must have been one of their uh, huh. gospel albums. <laughs> <laughs> wow, could you imagine that being your evangelical message? Satan is real. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, what are you selling there? Yeah. So that that's a twelve foot tall plywood rendition of the devil. <laughs> plywood? <laughs> yeah. Wow. And several hidden tires soaked in kerosene that are burning behind them. <laughs> it's the fire and brimstone. Wow. So that's a live photo. I mean that's nineteen sixty. I guess they couldn't have done Photoshop as easily. So you actually right. have to burn some tires and stand in front of them to get your life. <laughs> your um infernal album cover there that's fascinating okay so it says it's a direct parody Mm -hmm. yeah obviously (laughs) yeah Yeah, and you'll find this cover on lists of the greatest iconic album covers of all time you see it all over the place and i've never seen it that's fascinating it's a it's a wonderful thing to behold, I'll tell you. It's like <laughs> I wonder if that inspired the, the title of the song in any way. Yeah, I don't know. It's funny. Science is real, Satan is real. I mean, for only a three word phrase, I don't know, it's kinda of hard to say that that would be that for sure. Hmm. <laughs> Yes, everyone who hasn't seen it yet, please go and look up Satan Israel by the Eleven Brothers. Um, good stuff, good stuff. So then it seems like, yeah, in the wiki here, we got a, a couple other times popping up in the Trump presidency uh, stuff with this song. Um, Flansburg, let's see, the Irish Times. I wonder if that's also a reputable scientific journal. The Irish <laughs> Times. In a 2016 interview, Flansburg laments that science has come to be seen with an aura of suspicion in the U.S. Or as he puts it, people still want to get on planes, but they don't want to admit science is real. Yeah, people will, people will take advantage of scientific information. Uh, you know, technology when it's suits them and it's, uh, you know, it's helpful in their life. But when it comes to, uh, yeah, disease control, then all of a sudden they don't believe it. Well, the thing about it that's like really perverse to me is that part of, you know, part of a critical perspective and part of, I think, scientifically going through life is, you know, questioning, Right. Mm-hmm. Um, relying on authorities considered a, a logical fallacy when you're trying to make an argument. So, you know, you don't, uh, you know, it's good to remain skeptical. It's good to, to remain um, vigilant and critical, but it's like, <laughs> <laughs> people just take it to this crazy extreme where it's like, what you can't like, Oh, I can't, I, I, I don't know. I mean, they just, they're skeptical of the wrong things. Right. I have a hard time um, 
once again, like I have a hard time really blaming people too much because if you know, if you look for examples of corruption, if you look for examples of people using their position of authority to push some agenda that has nothing to do with science, it happens. You know, mm -hmm. if, if you're looking for those examples, you'll find them. You'll find your reason to be skeptical. You'll be, you'll feel validated that it's a healthy, critical, intellectual impulse to be skeptical. <laughs> then mm -hmm. you'll end up a virus denier. <laughs> it's, that's the, that's the thing about it that's so perverse to me. It's just like, there's no way to, again, any argument you could use just like seems to drive people in the other direction. I don't know. I don't know. Right. I, and this is, and this, you know, people yeah. dug in so firmly. It's like, it's, it's crazy how much it's going to be just like, you need to pick a side. There's, you know, and then you can't be, can't be persuaded. There's just no way around it. Yeah. And that's why I'm trying to, again, maintain, like, I don't want to be too judgmental of people or make too many assumptions of them. Cause I'm holding out, <laughs> that education is still a possibility. And I think that like empathy mm -hmm. needs to happen for that to happen. Mm -hmm. Right. Like we can learn from one another when we're able to see one another, you know, see from one another's eyes. So I'm hoping that just like trying to meet people where they are is the way. Sure. Mm -hmm. But you know, I mean, some people just learn from consequences. Ugh, yeah, yeah, that they get COVID. It seems like every day there's some newspaper article about the, the, this person that was a that was a strong uh, opponent to vaccines and uh, mask mandates has COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because because you, you get COVID if you don't wear a mask. <laughs> well, and the thing that that really upsets me too. I mean, to to get onto a scientific topic is that we most likely wouldn't have all these variants. If people, you know, we, we completely missed our opportunity to nip this pandemic in the bud, which is how you have to do it. Like you have to have a strong early response because the longer it goes on, mm -hmm. the more, you know, the higher chance you have of these variations, which by the way, how can you deny evolution <laughs> when like bacteria and viruses are evol like yeah. evolving within weeks, hours, sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, even even the bad stuff wants to survive. It's like, well, I got to adapt here. Right. I'll come up yeah. with a new way to be bad. I mean, we can witness. I think you know, people. Um, you know, another uh, here's another digression about how it annoys me how people <laughs> um, talk about evolution a lot because I don't think that people speak about it very intelligently. Like, we'll often say things like, "Oh, well, it takes millions of years," but really, it takes millions of generations which mm -hmm. is why we're able to actually observe it within our own lifetimes in these, you know, bacteria and whatnot, super tiny creatures right. with tiny life cycles. Right. And I also really, really hate it when people are talking about evolution mm -hmm. and they ascribe like any kind of agency or intention to <laughs> like DNA. <laughs> Basically they're like, <laughs> Oh yeah. The, the organ like the, you know, the DNA sees that, like, this adaptive trait is, you know, good or whatever, but it's like, there's no decision, you know, the, the organism figures out that, like, this helps it live longer, but it's like, there's no figuring out, like, it's all random right. trial and error, it's above mm -hmm. a certain latitude, white bears do better than brown bears, like, that's, <laughs> you know, what it is. <laughs> Yeah. There wasn't some some chromosome that was like, but what if we tried white? You know, <laughs> it's like people people ascribed 
really like human they really anthropomorphize the whole process and i right. think i think that mm -hmm. it leads to misunderstanding about how evolution works and i think that's why it's so easy for people to deny because they don't really get it because people right. aren't very good at explaining it did you watch right. cosmos the new one with neil degrasse no. tyson no it was really good yeah okay. yeah and they they did a really good um <clears throat> explanation of evolution i think that polar bear example is actually from cosmos oh okay and they also talk about like how dogs evolved from wolves and you know oh yeah yeah dogs are yeah dogs are super interesting it is crazy how many different breeds of dogs we have mm. they all came from wolves it's it's nuts mm -hmm. um but looking at the rest of the lyrics in the song one of my favorite parts is how one of my favorite things about the album as a whole uh here comes science is that it's uh, of their kids' albums, it's one that's maybe for a little bit older kids. And in the second verse, I like how in in simple language, but without being too, you know, dumb about it, uh, he goes through, you know, exactly what a, you know, well, the, starting at a scientific theory isn't just a hunch or guess. Uh, it's more like a question that's been put through a lot of tests. And mm -hmm. I think, again, even though, you know, this came out not during the vaccine uh, battles, but it's like, that's what you hear from a lot of people that don't want the vaccine. They're like, well, they haven't tested it enough. It's like, well, you can go and you can look up those results. You can find that test data. They're like, oh, they're, they're just guessing. No, they're, they're not guessing. Like no. the, the reason they did it so fast is because it was an emergency and a lot of money yeah. was put into it. Mm -hmm. And they rounded up a lot of people to test it on very, very quickly. And then even after it's been, you know, people are like, oh, how do we know that it's safe? And uh, and even after it's been given to millions and millions of people, people are still downing it. It's like, no, we've, we've tested this thing. And consistent with the facts, the proof is with science. The yeah. truth is with science. Consistent with the facts. Yeah, and that kind of gets to, um, like, I... I recently saw like a really ridiculous social media argument happening that was about um, rock stacking and salamander populations in Western North Carolina. Okay. So like, okay. Okay. So like some, some national park or national forest or something made a post that was like, Hey, you know, when you move these rocks to stack them, you're like disturbing wildlife habitat. Like these salamanders <laughs> live under these rocks, blah, blah, blah. And so I, I would never have guessed that anybody would have taken this stance, but somebody that I knew was like, show me the evidence that this is hurting <laughs> salamanders. <laughs> like, where is the peer-reviewed, right? you know, where's show me the, the dead salamander pictures? Yeah, and there is, I mean, there is a dead salamander picture, and, you know, this oh. was so dramatic about it, like, the yeah. salamander's dead right in front of the rock stack, but even in the caption, <laughs> they're like, okay, we don't know that, like, this rock caused this dead salamander, we just happen to see these two things together, and we know that this disrupts salamander habitat. Yes, it was a sensational photo, but like, yes, this is also a problem. But yeah, this guy, you know, and 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 some people responded really reasonably. They said, hey, you know, some issues are just going to be too small to have the funding required for, you know, for repeated, fully controlled, peer-reviewed, published scientific inquiry. 
at some point we need to take what we know. Mm. I mean, it's really interesting because it's like, People have, I, I think this is one of the like many negative byproducts of too many people going to college and I went to college. So like I'm part of the problem, but, um, there are too, too many people going to liberal arts school, but, um, you know, is that the new, the standard for science is that it's published by a scholarly journal. It's peer reviewed. It's been replicated mm-hmm. and like, for really important things like vaccines, like, yeah, that affects human health and like that's a reasonable standard. But for stuff like salamander population, if all the behavior you have to change is don't put those fucking rocks on top of each other because it's annoying to everybody else anyway and everybody hates mm. it. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, what I, you know what I mean? I think that part of thinking and approaching the world scientifically is being willing to... Uh, just be reasonable and use common sense and take take right. take what evidence we do have and what we can observe because science just has to trust, I mean, trust the rangers you know yeah exactly people. because the whole academic establishment does have its shortcomings you know not it not everything's going to be big enough to get studied and published and you know science in and of itself has its shortcomings too i think a lot about the fact that like so much of the human experience is non-quantifiable and not really observable you know a lot of our cognitive Mm -hmm. processes our emotional processes it's hard for us to scientifically study these things because we they're not objective um and we try and i think that's cool yeah yeah Mm -hmm. let's get to the musical elements of this song i want to start talking about these clips and comparisons okay that you sent me well this so okay so this was my thinking because i was like you know, where's the song coming from musically? And to me, the most overt reference is this like late sixties kind of psychedelic rock idea. Um, Mm. and, uh, I spent a lot of time thinking about why they might want to reference that particular place and time. Maybe that's something we can talk about after we listen to some music, but, um, yeah, so basically I just tried to find some examples of uh, of songs from that era and in that vein that I felt like were being referenced. Um, mm-hmm. So if you want to say what clip you want to play first, maybe, and I will tell you what I, what I hear, and then we'll <laughs> listen to it. Does that work? You can cut any of this out, sure. right? Uh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's the one that you labeled strawberry comparison okay so this is like a classic Beatles reference that pops up all the time is this like mellotronic flute sound like the Beatles Mm -hmm. used a mellotron obviously and this like the thing that I think makes it distinct from just like a live flute is that they're playing it. I'm, I'm, I'm addressing your listeners right now. I'm sure you know all this stuff, Greg, but (laughs) (laughs) is that, you know, they're playing chords on it and they're playing triads on it. They're playing it as you would play a keyboard. It creates a really distinct sound, most exemplified in strawberry fields forever. And it also comes in on the second verse of science is real. So let's listen Mm -hmm. for that flute timbre right here. Yeah. Science is real. Standing, 
Yeah, and I love that sound. And they could have very easily had... I mean, Stan Harrison is on the track playing some saxophone. He also plays flute. They could have easily had him play it. So it was obviously a conscious decision to get that vintage tone mm-hmm. for the Mellotron-type sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and, and you can tell... <clears throat> I mean, like you said, the triads, but also just like the 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 like inhuman consistency of the sound mm, yeah you know it's like the attack of every single one of the notes is exactly the same yeah um is it, another way to pick that pick that out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes um yeah john linnell always good choices with the keyboard sounds oh yeah yeah and it's probably not, you know, they're not using a real Mellotron. I'm, um, yeah, I'm sure they're not. But, you know, they're grabbing that sound from somewhere else. But I, I it, read it, that on her last album, Grimes used an electronic Mellotron. Hmm. I was like, what is that? <laughs> the <laughs> whole deal with the Mellotron is that it had t- tape inside it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you know? what? And the but she uses that same sound, actually. I have, have you listened to that album? Are you into Grimes no. at all? Oh, okay. No, I don't really know. Oh, okay. <laughs> I hear all about how goofy she is. But, oh yeah, she know. is. But her music's and, pretty good. Yeah, and whatever her baby's name is that you can't pronounce. <laughs> how do you say her baby's name? I, do you know? I, I think she just calls him X. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that tweet? So that was like, didn't you name your kid R two D two or something? <laughs> <laughs> it's that's <yeah>, close. <laughs> Except in R2-D2, I recognize all of those characters. These are like some weird... There, there's been a big um, controversy in the Grimes fandom because Elon Musk is so problematic. And like oh, yeah. people, you know, people want to bring that into the Grimes conversation and other people right. want to keep that out of the Grimes conversation. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's uh, listen to... This next one you called Penny Lane Comparison. This one, when I listen to it, I think I'm going to need you to ex- explain this one to me a little bit more. I'm, let's, let's listen to it first. Okay. Science is real. So what are we listening to for there? I'm I'm listening to the trumpets mm-hmm. and this kind of, and like there's a lot of examples that I could have used, but I think I just wanted to use Penny Lane specifically because it like fits into that psychedelic Beatles era. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that really uh, bright sort of a trumpeting fanfare. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the vibe is a lot more explicit in the Penny Lane example, but those like right. triumphant trumpets right. that come mm-hmm. in at the end of the chorus of Science is Real that like, to me, it's almost like a marching band or something. And so that, right. that that's sort of the comparison there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, you do get a little bit of a, not quite as much of a marching feel on Science is Real, but there's a little bit of it. There's a good, there's a good thump to it. And yeah, the, tr- the trumpeters on the, uh, Giants tracks, Kurt Ram, well known and and loved now in the community, and uh, Michael Leonard, uh, who pops up in some other occasions. He's a little more rare to find on they might be Giants tracks, but um, 
yeah, so dueling trumpets there, even, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, we got a supercut here. <laughs> Lenin dissension supercut. Uh, cue, up, cue up the clip here. What are we gonna? What are we listening for? So this is a more of a theoretical thing, um, and this is just the fact that this song uses something that John Lennon does a lot, um, which is you know you're basically playing a chord. Do we know what key science is real is in? I think it's an A or maybe B. A major, according to the wiki. It looks, okay. yeah, it looks like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is also the same key as, like, I'm the Walrus and a couple other of the examples in this supercut. But, um, you know, you're basically playing a major triad, and then the bass is playing the root note, and then, you know, what what I guess technically, theoretically, we're supposed to call the second below that, but I always think of it as the seventh. True. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about, yeah. and then you know the third below or the sixth, um, and that's where they stop. In science is real, and John Lennon does that a lot. You know, typically you'll go down to what the minor six after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, the only exception here is I am the Walrus. Instead of going down to the sixth, they actually go up to the minor sixth. Yes. Yeah, the yeah in that so key. Instead of going down to it, they go up to it. Is that what you mean? No, I'm I'm th- I'm thinking of it wrong. No, I'm thinking in the wrong key. Sorry. No, no, no. They go to the minor third. Is what? And so when you play these on top of each other, and this is just a total incidental thing that I'm going to mention. When you play those two clips on top of each other, it creates this interesting tritone where the Beatles lick is going you know, A, G, F sharp, or A, G, C, and the Giants are going A, G, F sharp. And that just sounded really cool, I thought, and I think I'm going to probably use mm. it in a song at some point. So I'm just mentioning yeah. that. But yeah. in, in all in all the other examples, which I've uh, controlled for tempo and key, you can hear that it's the same, basically the same chord pattern. Science is real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that walking down. You know, Linnell loves loves walking that bass down too. He does that quite a bit as well. Mm. It's a uh, it is a tried and true technique of the Giants for sure. And yeah, maybe lifting it from the Beatles. Who knows? I, I'm sure they grew up on the Beatles as well. Um, then you had another clip here called uh, with Walrus as well. Let's see, what was this Walrus one? This is the one where I think. I'm listening to the little licks that Linnell's doing on the keyboard and comparing them to what the horns are doing and the uh, counterpoint that those create. They're both in a blues scale. If you listen, yeah. So they're going, and then in I'm the Walrus, it's da, do, da, do, da, do. It's like, it's in the same scale. And, um, creates this counterpoint with the vocal melody in both examples. Science is real, from astrophysics to 
Yeah, it is a cool little way to throw the the uh, a little bluesy lick in without the song sounding bluesy. Mm-hmm. It's a neat little trick, for sure. And then the the one one clip where you can, where you broke the pattern here. We got a little Star Trek going on. So what are we going to hear here? I, t- the thing that the end of this song reminds me of is the original Star Trek theme. Does it not? Like, to me, that's almost like a direct reference. Like, that's like almost a clear Ooh. reference. Yeah. <laughs> Science is Yeah, just that big, open kind of... I mean, the Star Trek one, it gets a little more operatic. Yeah, right? definitely with but, that, yeah. that, like, <laughs> like it, it, to me, it sounds... And, I mean, like, once again, to get to the... To think about, like, how these references might relate to the subject matter of the song. I mean, I it, it's, it's a space-heavy album. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they've talked about Trek publicly at all or referenced it in their music i can't think of it any i i can't think of any evidence that they might be giants are star trek fans but like it kind of goes along with the psychedelic era thing because you think about it the moon landings in 1969 and like the white album comes out that same year you know Mm -hmm. like it's it's and I, i forget what years the original star trek was on but like that's all kind of in there and so i imagine Mm -hmm. They're probably when they were trying to get psyched about this album, they're probably, you know, they're probably thinking about their own childhoods of the 60s yeah. and, you know, what what was inspiring to them about science at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, for a lot of people, that is Star Trek. I didn't get into Star Trek until adulthood. Um, it's not something I grew up with, but I, I've since watched The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. Highly recommend. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I haven't watched as much Star of the Wars original. Guy. Okay, yeah, well. Yeah. Okay. Got nothing against Star Trek. <laughs> nothing against Star Trek. Um, and when I had been looking back at our old Facebook message, you had mentioned the the very heavy acoustic guitar strums in the pre-chorus of this song. Yeah, that's a vibe to me. Yeah, the one thing, the one thing particularly that, that brought to my mind from that era is... The kink song, Picture Book. I love that song. Yes, it's very strong. I mean, it's definitely a different tempo, but a very strong, uh, yeah, a very forceful acoustic strumming uh, with a very poppy melody over top of it. Mm-hmm. So that was one thing that came to my mind there. Yeah, we know um, that Flans loves the kinks. And you mentioned the backwards piano, and for some reason, I I don't know, I can't seem to pick one out of the air. Uh, Me neither. A good example of backwards piano, but I know it, there's got to be some out there, and I know someone's probably yelling at the podcast right now about some famous example of backwards piano, but... Um, yeah, because that backwards piano really, like, it comes in strong right at the beginning, and it, like, really sets the vibe. To me, it's re- it really sets that, like, spacey, psychedelic vibe of, like, backwards. Um, there's a bunch of backwards guitar solos that I could think of, 
but yeah, mm. backwards. But I know that I've heard that in other songs. Like that is that's definitely a reference. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, I just couldn't place it. Me neither. So you yeah. know, what do you make? Do you have any thoughts about um, how how the music and the content of this song relate to one another? Oh, um, it it is kind of funny to have a song about science where you're uh, referencing all these hippie things and hippies, you know, it's more known for that kind of like free spirited, free thinking thing. Not so much like the bookish, um, you know, scientist type, Yeah, you know, those two, you know, not that hippies aren't, you know, they're, they're they're typically were liberal in their thinking, uh, though a lot of those people grew up to be more conservative. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it it is kind of a funny thing rather than like they could have taken this in a very, you know, if I was thinking more scientific, I'd go like you had mentioned Devo in your message before. Like you could have gone straight up Devo and been like real, yeah, real square about it, real computerized. Yeah. Um, but they went the other direction to the, yeah. the, the hippie, the hippie angle, which is cool. It's like, you know, it, 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 it's, it's about the wonderment, you know, the wondrousness wonder it's about the wonder wondrousness of <clears throat> you know of the natural world and mm-hmm. and all that we have to learn about it yeah i think it's cool and yeah. i think it's cool that um i mean if we it, can we talk about the album just a little bit just because i sure. feel like this is kind of even though this album has a theme song i kind of feel like this is the unofficial theme of the album i've been singing that song definitely sells in my head all day that's like such a catchy tune um oh my god that song made me have a revelation about i palindrome i actually really yeah okay so check this out um (laughs) (laughs) in cells Linnell describes DNA as a spring. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah. And then in I Palindrome I, he says, see the spring of the grandfather clock unwinding. Uh-huh. Mm hmm. Right. Oh. So it's like another like double, like if something's like, if a, if like a spring unwinding is like a gene expressing itself. It's like uh-huh. a visual metaphor for that. And that song is just full of like, I don't know. I don't know if there's like a clear message or point of view of that song, but there are a lot of like visual metaphors of um, like uh, regeneration, ancestry, descendancy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I also wonder if the, uh, the hands of my offspring making windmills, if like, he isn't referring to like a, a watch because like the offspring right. of a grandfather clock would be like a watch and the arms making windmills are the hands of the, the clock spinning. The clock. Yeah. Representing the passage of time. I don't know. It's like, th- that's yeah. how that song is though. It's like these abstract kind of impressionistic. It's a weird song. It's one of my favorites though. Oh yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So that yeah, I, th- I think I think uh, here comes science is probably my favorite of the kids' albums. Actually, it's probably the one I listen to the most, just as an adult. 
Yeah, it's 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 up there. You know, I recent I actually only recently listened to Here Come the One Two Threes. I can't. I, I don't know why I never listened to it before, but I was like, "This is fucking weird." Like, how? Like, you're you're gonna give this to kids? Like, this is like what? There's one everything. The first time I oh, heard yeah. one everything, though, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, this is crazy. Like, Buddhist fucking super abstract <laughs> philosophy, like summed up in like a two and a half minute pop song, and like <sighs> mind blowing. I know. I, um, I was. I had one of my first graders. Uh, when we were we were deciding whether we were going to do that one for one of our our programs, you and totally it should. Just, he just kept arguing with me about. It. He's like, "No, but there's two of this, and there's two of this." I'm like, <laughs> yeah, but I'm like, ah, never mind. <laughs> oh, he doesn't get it, man. He voted for Trump. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank God, a lot of these kids can't vote. No, I'm just kidding. These <laughs> kids are great. Kids are great. These kids are great. It's their parents, and a lot of them are not. Uh, yeah, that's Great. what a lot of people tell me um, about yeah. teaching. When you see like a student coming in with a Trump mask, I'm like, you don't know anything about this. Your parents slapping that on you. Just kind of sad. Ju- can I just say, when I was in Oregon, I hung out with a couple friends of mine who are public school teachers. And <laughs> like my heart goes out to y'all. <laughs> Honestly, they were so like, they were both depressed exhausted after one week in class and they both said the same thing they were just like we're way underfunded and the expectations are unreasonable like it's a really Mm -hmm. simple problem (laughs) like it's just like they're expecting us to do too much with too little and that's super demoralizing for anybody man we need to support public school teachers more Yes, and we are back full in person. I mean, we were in person all last year, but at least last year they were required to wear masks. This year, nope. Wow. Nope. Yeah. But uh, on that note, you want to check out this one live clip that I sent you? Uh, yes. I like how this has uh, this song has transcended into the adult sets. You can tell this is an adult show mm. because right off the jump, Flan says, this coffee is making me bitchy. <laughs> <laughs> So let me drop in a little bit of that. That coffee's making me bitchy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, people. Well, I'm pretty much ready for this next song. The way, the way this song starts is there's there's no uh, musical kind. I just surprise the band by starting. You know, a lot of bands organize themselves in different ways. Our, the way we do it, we just it's just like sort of like shock. Science is real. Did yeah, I was a little. Um, yeah, uh, what can I say? He's singing flat the whole time. Did you notice yeah. that? <laughs> he, he's a little off. Yeah, maybe it's a little too much coffee. He's a little. But off. it's a uh, it's a good live song. Yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I love I love the setup. Of course, I'm just like I'm just gonna surprise the band. 
<laughs> the way that I start the song. Just going to jump in. Just going to jump in. Uh, <laughs> let's take it to the cover section. What do you say? Sure. Okay. So this first one here, um, Anne Savoy uh, on YouTube, A-Y-N-S-A-V-O-Y. Uh, I'd also like to point out again, she's doing a song from a kid's album in front of her liquor cabinet of sorts. I noticed that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, uh, let's listen to her do a little bit of this. Science is real from the Big Bang to think of her performance um i think she's got a nice voice uh it seems like this performance is um not really the kind of thing that's meant to be evaluated it seems like something that she learned and felt good about and wanted to put on youtube it's clearly a single sure. take thing um right. so yeah i thought it was charming and her voice sounds good yeah her voice is great i also love the uh the linnell style direct eye contact with the camera. <laughs> I, I, I love that that is a live performance idiosyncrasy of Blinnell's. That's like <laughs> one of my favorite things about seeing They Might Be Giants live. It's mm-hmm. unforgettable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the best is when uh, they were on late night shows and stuff and like he'd be following, you know, the light, uh, which which camera <laughs> is, is live on him and he would turn his gaze towards each camera. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> All right, let's take it to... Robert Ruby on YouTube. Um, this one's from 2010, and the the camera quality definitely shows it. But uh, so if people want to go watch Robert Ruby, but let's let's listen to it. It's a multi-track. Science is real. Science is real. From the Big Bang to DNA. Science. Is real. impressed by um how he was able to get a lot out of just a couple tracks like he makes a really like full sounding recording he's he's got like some program drums and like one guitar or two on the chorus and this melodica the melodica (laughs) carrying a lot of weight uh (laughs) yeah so i found that one cool i think that was a, a fun simple four track or you know how multi track cover Super fun. I love how hyperactive the drums are. Yeah. It's like real, you know, it real inhuman. 
<laughs> it's cool. <laughs> uh, and then let's see on YouTube here. We've got next Jason Guy Smiley on YouTube doing a ukulele cover from 2012. Science is real. Science is real, from evolution to the Milky Way. Well, I like those stories about angels, unicorns, and elves. Now, I like those stories as much as anybody else. But when I'm seeking knowledge, either simple or abstract, the facts are with science. The facts are with science. Science is Science is real. I think something Science about this song, even when you strip away some of the more psychedelic instruments, it also works as kind of like a little twee song, just like stripped to just ukulele, that little tinny, tinny sound. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's a it's a really solid song. Um, this guy interprets it really well, but my personal opinion, I'm tired of ukulele covers of pop and rock songs. I can, (laughs) we can, you know, leave that to the whatever Hawaiian traditional folk music and the Hawaiian slack key guitar music where it sounds great. But in the interpretation (laughs) of pop and rock songs, it's just a little bit overdone. Same goes for the banjo. Banjo has a place. It's not necessarily plucking alongside like a rock drum beat. I'm I'm really over the banjo thing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So it's a, you know it's a good cover. It's not my thing. The 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 <laughs> pop uke is is a is a whole plane. The pop uke, aka puke. Now, now I'm a ukulele fan for sure, but let's let's move on to the Adelaide Rise Up Singers. Oh yeah! In 2016, right before the election, the Adelaide Rise Up Singers visited the office of Liberal Senator Corey Bernardi to deliver the message: climate science is real. Did you go to their website and check out No Rise Up Adelaide Singers? The what's it called? Rise Up Singing Adelaide? Yes. Rise yeah. Up Singing Adelaide. And so <laughs> I was after watching this video, I was so interested. I was like, who are these people? This is amazing. Yeah. And uh they're 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 a vocal group, but it seems like they're pretty like musically casual. Like they had like no experience required, and they mm. do climate action 
music like they go to your protests or whatever but instead of like picketing they'll be like singing and so this is their thing is like bringing music to that effort which i think is very cool and they're in adelaide australia um so i really don't know about any of the politics that they're addressing in that no i know they've dealt with a lot of conservatism down there too Ah, so yeah okay yeah yeah but i like how they they changed the whole feel of the, the, the rhythmic feel of the song yes so they they slow it down take it out of like that jittery kind of element and just give it this like um they they add the fourth like bar to the first stanza of both verses but not the second stanza oh. in his voice oh wow good catch yeah yeah and uh, they changed though. some of the lyrics. It was a little bit hard for me to understand, but it sounded like they changed right. some of the words to make them more particular to that climate situation. Climate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought yeah, that was really cool. Like this a is a cool, cool group of people. Part of what I love about this song, well, and this phrase, I mean, of course, we've all seen those, um, again, like I personally find them kind of obnoxious, uh, yard signs, you know, in this house we believe... You know, love is love. Science is real. It's like, of course, I believe. You know, I'm, 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 I'm a lefty. I get it. I'm. The only thing that's annoying about it is like the virtue signal aspect. But, um, but you know, the phrase "science is real" is on those signs. And as far as I know, they might be giants originated that phrase. Again, <laughs> you can debate the originality of it. Right. right. But. Um, <laughs> You know, or at least popularized it. And so I think this performance is a great example of how this song has become a rallying cry for the climate movement and, um, you know, all sorts of other issues that I I think all sorts of things that are considered social issues that I think science um, really supports. For instance, uh, Bill Nye has a great video on the Big Think where he basically gives his scientific defense of abortion rights. And it's very interesting. Hmm. Hmm. So, you know, I definitely challenge people who have their religious objections to learn a little bit more about the science behind uh, pregnancy and hear what Bill Nye has to say about it. He's got a short video. That's my plug for that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We got one more cover and it's by Mike Gibson over on Bandcamp. Uh, the web address though is carolskid.bandcamp.com. K A R O L S K I D. Carolskid.bandcamp.com. <clears throat> Let's hear a rocking version of Science is Real. Simple knowledge or abstract knowledge, 
did you think about Mike's cover? I I liked it a lot. I I really appreciate the fact that he made it his own. It's true to the original, but it's also his own. I like the pop punk kind of attitude that he brought to it. He did the mm-hmm. really pulled off the spoken word stuff. Um, oh, and I really liked the vocal harmonies that he added on this one. Yeah. I think they really work. And I think maybe you know the original could maybe use a little bit more vocal harmony. That's more just harms. something I like. Yeah can't have too many harms mm-hmm. there's some other cool little keyboard uh elements that he adds in that aren't even from the original mm-hmm. little flourishes i like so good job mike gibson uh we are to the point in the show where you need to score this song yeah <laughs> wow i hadn't even thought about that um out of 10 mm-hmm. are we measuring it Against all music, or just no, against they might, all they might be giant. All they might be giant songs. Um, I mean, I put it high. I give it like a good, like eight and a half, nine. Like this is the, to me, the song is like very solid. Yeah, hard to say too much about the lyrics in the sense that there's not a lot of subtext there. They're pretty straightforward. Right. Well, um, yeah, but, the kids' you know, songs, you're not going to find as much of that. <laughs> sure, yeah, there's beauty in that simplicity, and it's a really wonderful point that they're making and uh, that I agree with and that, you know, needs to be promoted more now than ever. And it's a rockin' song. I think it's a, yeah, fun little pseudo-psychedelic sort of... Um, exploration there i think about what what john linnell i've heard him mention this a couple times um talks about how when you're making kids music you might like that's the first music they're ever going to hear so if you play them like funk music that's going to be like the first funk song they hear or something (laughs) so it's interesting to know that they're they're really aware of that and it's interesting because they do have a lot of funk in their kids albums and i love funk so i appreciate that a lot so yeah. yeah, they get funkier in the kids' albums than in the adult albums a lot of times, I think. They actually do, yeah. <laughs> I, I I have a Spotify playlist called TMBG R&B. And yeah. that's like <laughs> every... It's like very much in process. Um, I'm soliciting suggestions for sure from anybody and everybody, but it's, it's TMBG songs that are in the vein of soul or funk uh, or Motown or anything that can be considered R&B. Um, mm. One of my favorites in that vein is Brain Problem Situation. Oh, just God. Name an example. Yeah. Such a good song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like S-E-X-X-Y, a classic. Of course. Yeah. Very funky. <laughs> um, oh, what am I giving this thing? I think, you know, just you're pointing out all the psychedelic, all, all the psychedelic flourishes uh, to me really elevated the song for me. I always loved it for the messages, for the you know the the declaration at the beginning of this album. Um, it's very catchy, of course. It's a classic Flans uh, melody that uh, just gets stuck in your head. And I think I think I'm gonna go a seven point two on that one. Science is real. Nice. So you got some plugs for us, yes? Yeah. Where can we um, hear some of your stuff? Okay, sure, yeah. Um, all right, well, I'm I'm on SoundCloud as Olivia Philo. I'm on Instagram as Olivia Philo. <laughs> That's O-L-I-V-I-A-F-E-L-O. Um, 
My public facing Reddit account is Persimmon Simpson. And that's where I post <laughs> my uh, creative projects, you know, um, basically just to have somewhere to deposit them. I'm not, I'm not trying right. to promote anything. I'm really into embroidery and crafty stuff like that. And, you know, cool. random little artsy things so that, you know, that's sort of where I put that stuff, but um, there's nothing too exciting there. Nothing that I'm really trying to promote, but there, yeah, there's a thing or two. Um, like for example, I posted a mashup there recently that I finished that SoundCloud took down for copyright infringement. So Boo. I know, right. <laughs> Boo. It's a mashup of womanizer by Britney Spears and personal Jesus by Depeche mode. So Hmm. Turned out really good. Um, I have Are you, a, on, uh, you on Twitter? Not on Twitter. Not on Twitter, okay. No. All right. Well, I'll make sure to at least tag you on the Instagram when I put our picture up in a, in a minute. I think on that note, uh, <laughs> we can call it a night here. But thank you so much, Olivia, for being on You Did Great. Thank you. Yeah. And um, definitely willing to come on again consider Asheville the song title is Asheville Mm -hmm. but um that is a song that I would think about picking a lot of my top choices because you know in this podcast when you're looking through the episodes you're like oh if I was on this podcast what song would I want to talk about I feel like all my top choices are already taken underwater woman probably would have been like number one uh underwater woman I don't think I've done yet Pretty sure it's been done. See, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I I know we talked about it on a. No, nope, I haven't done that one. Yet. Oh, really? You thinking of music jail? I don't know which. I don't know. Huh. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. yeah so thank you for um, your generosity of spirit, which comes across. <laughs> Certainly, little Asheville oh, vibes for you there. You. Um, oh, do you know anything right. about Asheville? It's like I was there briefly. Okay, it was a cool town. I saw some guy on stilts. Yeah. Okay. So you know <laughs> the vibe. I'm because I feel like I made yeah. a lot of Asheville jokes and references, and it's just like, I mean, the science is real thing is like very interesting here because like people are very pro mask, but they're also very like anti science in other ways, like believing in crystal power, for example. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, actually, I've seen They Might Be Giants in Asheville twice, I've seen them in Charlottesville twice, I've seen them in D.C. twice, I saw them in New York once, I saw them in Portland, Oregon three times, I saw them in Eugene once, I've seen them 11 times in seven cities, I think. Nice. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm lucky that I like a band that tours a lot, so, aren't we all? Yeah. Yeah, and hopefully that's coming back full full force in the spring. Yes. But, uh, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, thanks again for being on. And, uh, yeah, we'll figure out something for you to be on again because that was cool. fun. Yay. Yeah. And thank you for everything you do for the fan community and hosting this podcast. and My pleasure. Being active, yeah. All right, well, yeah. have a good night. Thanks again. Talk to yes. you soon, maybe. See, see you in the Facebook group. See you in the Facebook group. Right, bye. (laughs) All right, see you.